Welcome back to the Dynasty Digest, where we give you consumable dynasty perspective. I'm with Jake this week. We're discussing KTC players, as usual. But before that, let's hit this intro. Welcome. You're listening to JWB Fantasy Football. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us again. We are less than a week away from the Super Bowl. Jake, is there a, a team you're you're rooting for more than the other? I'm rooting for the Chiefs. I'm just going to be blunt about it. My dad and brother are both 49ers fans, so I have to root against them. It's there just it's I don't make the rules. I just follow them. It'll be fun to see if there's another Bosa. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it back here again yeah. if they lose. But I actually I I thought of the, the last four there really wasn't a losing scenario for most fans. Yeah, you know, I agree. Lions win. You see the goat. Mahomes just continue to be the goat. You see Purdy get a Super Bowl, or you see Lamar get a Super Bowl. So I don't really think there was a losing scenario in that situation. Yeah, but, unless you're a fan of one of those teams. Yeah, but we're here to talk players. So did you want to start with your your KTC buy this week? Yeah, I'll start out with my buy the week. Uh, it, was a, it was a frequent buy for me last year, so this really shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, what is surprising, though, is where probably where I have them ranked and where the market has them ranked. That player is... Michael Pittman, what a surprise, I know, right? Well, Michael Pittman is currently the wide receiver 21 on keep trade cut. I have him as wide receiver 10. Now, I know some people are going to say, Jake, there's all these good receivers, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I know. That's why I can make a really strong argument for Michael Pittman to be in the top 10. He's one of those wide receivers. Um, if you look at Michael Pittman as a whole, like this is a guy who has continually improved upon his game, continually earned more and more targets. He... Uh, three years ago, played in all 17 games, had 129 targets. Last year, only played in 16 games, had 141 targets. This past year, played in 16 games again, 156 targets. So the volume for him keeps getting earned at a higher and higher rate. But the thing that really sets him apart for me is he's not just such a one-track player. He's got a 30.5% target share this last year, 30% target share in the red zone. Uh, 28% target rate. He was top 10 in targets. He was top 10 in red zone targets, ran the most routes, uh, hit the yards per route run number of 2.08 that we really like to see. Anything over uh, 2.0 is really solid. 10th uh, in total yards after the catch, fourth in receptions, volume everywhere. Now I know what people are already saying. I can already read the comments now, but that was with Gardner Minshew and not Anthony Richardson. And I say, you know what? You are right. So let's just take a very quick look at what Michael Pittman did with uh, Anthony Richardson at quarterback. All right. His first game of the year. First game. First time Anthony Richardson has stepped on an NFL field. 11 targets, two red zone targets, eight receptions for 97 yards. Eighth on the week in fantasy points, 23.7. Solid start. Week number two against Houston, 12 targets, eight receptions, 56 yards. Yards didn't yards came down, didn't score a touchdown, only 13.6 points. Not bad. Still wide receiver three on the week. Don't feel bad about having that in your lineups. Week three, 11 targets, two red zone targets, nine receptions, 77 yards. Again, no touchdown, but that's also because I think Anthony Richardson had two 20-plus-yard 20 20 touchdown runs. Like, yes, the touchdown upside is a little bit limited. But again, this is a guy who scored four touchdowns all year. 
four touchdowns last year, six touchdowns the year before, has been in a solid range of red zone targets all of those years. So we're praying that some of that regression comes. He's almost DJ Moore Jr. at this point. And yet, in the fourth game, Richardson obviously got hurt halfway through. That hurts the game plan. You never know how things are going to go. Uh, but he had five receptions, one red zone, or five targets, one red zone target. Only had one reception for 15 yards. But again, quarterback gets hurt mid-game. That throws everything into a loop. You really don't know what you're getting there. But after that, I mean, we're talking about a guy who earned 14 targets in a game, 13 targets in a game, 12, 13, 16, 11. He had double-digit targets in a ton of games. This guy is just going to earn volume. It does not matter who the quarterback is. Yes, you can make an argument that Josh Downs is going to take a step forward, but even if he does, there's targets to go around. Shane Steichen, even with Philadelphia, still threw the ball at a fair, at a high enough rate that he was able that Jalen Hurts was able to support Devonta Smith and AJ Brown. Not to mention what went to Dallas Goddard as well. So this narrative that there isn't going to be enough volume just doesn't sit well enough for me and when you're looking at Pittman at wide receiver 21 just looking at the other wide receivers that are in range with him like JSN is above him uh T Higgins is right there with him DK Debo Jaden Reed George Pickens is at 26 like there's a lot of guys and like I take Pittman over every single one of those guys straight up hence why I have him ranked so high but it's really just the value that you have to give up to get Pittman is going to be a net positive for you in a lot of ways. So when you're looking at like straight one-for-one -one trades for Pittman, per keep trade cut, as always, let me type Pittman into the calculator here, and even trade on paper. Um, if you're a non-Kyron Williams believer, but you have Kyron Williams, you can get Michael Pittman for him right now. Uh, Devin Achan, another guy who I sit kind of like back and forth on how I feel about him, but he's, a, he's an available get um, or an available target to trade for. Um, if you think that TJ Hawkinson is overpriced, he's right within a, a very recent, a very reasonable range, a guy I'll talk about later in the show. And then like a projected late first, the difference between those two players is an absolute throw in. So you could get Michael Pittman for the 111 and I don't know, Devin Singletary. I'm doing that trade every single time because why would I take the crapshoot at a wide receiver that I hope becomes Michael Pittman? when I can get Michael Pittman. And it's not like Pittman is some old receiver like people think he is. Like, yes, he has been around. This is going to be his fifth year in the NFL. He's only 26 years old. This is a guy who came out of college at 21 as an early declare. Like, there's there's so much about this profile to like, and I just can't find any reason that he should be outside of the top, at minimum, 15 wide receivers in football, in my opinion. And outside of the top 20 just makes absolutely zero sense to me. Yeah, I think the ability to kind of move around and and where keep keep trade cut has him on the board is kind of nice because it's kind of like pick your flavor. If you right. want to move on from Hawkinson, you have that ability. I totally agree. Moving out of the crapshoot that is one eleven to get a more um, solid wide receiver, even if it, he even if he is wide receiver twenty four, right? Most of the time, you're not drafting a wide receiver in the back end of the first that's going to reach even that height. So. I think it's a very safe, insulated move. We chase targets here. Now, the question always is, you know, we were talking about him having a low touchdown upside. What happens if the the targets decrease? Not something I'm expecting, but we always kind of have to be aware of that. But definitely a guy that I want on my roster because he gives you a very safe floor. As well as, you know, if he gets that volume game where he ends up putting, you know, plus 100 yards more than that on the board. With those receptions, he's easily sitting in the top 12 position on, on the week. So I think it's a pretty easy move. 
just yeah. uh, like I said, it's pick your poison. It's really determined which which player on your roster you can part with that kind of falls within this range that's marketable to the team that has Pittman. Yeah, and realistically with Pittman too, like on the touchdown side of things, like he has 15 plus red zone targets each of the last three years. He's at worst been 18th in football during that time span in red zone targets. But we also have to recognize like Gardner Minshew, not a great quarterback. End of career Philip Rivers, not a great quarterback. Carson Wentz for a hot minute, not a great quarterback. Like there, he just hasn't really had anybody throwing him the ball. Like I said, it's this is the DJ Moore conversation all over again. And Pittman is, I think, disrespected a little bit as an athlete because yeah, his 40 yard dash, it's like 59th, 60th percentile. Like it's a little bit above average, but nothing special. Guys, he's got a 94th percentile speed score. That's big. That's very, very good. Speed score matters so much more than just a raw 40-yard dash time because it actually takes into account their height and weight. And Pittman, outside of the concussion, like the games that he's missed in his career have been like little one-week spurts. Like it's never, outside of his rookie year, um, he's never really, he's never missed more than one game in a season. So there's some consistency there too. And realistically, like, again, like you said, even if he finishes a wide receiver 24, that would be his worst fantasy finish in the last three years, he was wide receiver 22 and then wide receiver 21. And then this past year he was wide receiver 14 in points per game. I'm pretty all right spending a late first if I'm getting that. And that's where like the rookie fever comes into play. Like that rookie fever is going to pump those late, even those late picks up during draft. You can look at the board and you can go, I don't really want Keon Coleman. I don't really want Troy Franklin. I feel like I'm reaching here on lad or a Donnie. Send the Michael Pittman owner or a manager an offer. Worst he says is no. Best case, you have a 26-year-old wide receiver one in an NFL offense that's projected to be fairly high volume. I don't see a downside. I don't see it. I think also that there's opportunity for maybe more than just Pittman, but like targeting receivers that are thought to be average, that aren't actually average on teams that are mediocre or in the middle of the pack who feel they need to shake it up. That might even be a better opportunity for you to get a better price on uh, receivers such as Michael Pittman or people that fall within that range in different positions as well. So that's uh, something I'm looking at too. If I have a late pick, if I haven't already been able to uh, to flip it for uh, a future first to re-roll it, because yeah. that's like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah, or e and even if you're looking at like a player swap, um, a guy I think is super overpriced by Keep Trade Cut. I'm sure I'll talk about it at some point on this show. Is Zach Charbonnet? Zach Charbonnet is the difference between Michael Pittman and Terry McLaurin. Their fantasy performances pretty much all favor Pittman. The volume moving forward likely favors Pittman, depending on the quarterback situation and cliff and everything there. But you're getting two years back. You're, you're going from a 28 and a half year old wide receiver to a 26 and a half year old wide receiver. So you're getting more time in the in the window that we want our wide receivers to be in, which is kind of in that 27 to 31 range is kind of when they're in their prime. So you know, there, there's player swap options out there, too, outside of even just looking the pick route. Um, you know, some other older receivers. Let me see, like what D-Hop, for example. I'm sure, you know, the market is much lower on D-Hop. But like, yeah, market's way too low on D-Hop. Go buy D-Hop. I'm not going to waste any more time on that. I'm just going to say go buy D-Hop. He's wide receiver 58 on keep trade cut. I'm not even going to waste time arguing for D-Hop for an entire offseason like I did again last year. Just do it. Go pay the late second that it's going to take to get him. You'll be fine. But back to Pittman. He's a stud. 
he should be a wide receiver one in your rankings, in my opinion. Even though I know I'm the highest on him on the team by like seven spots. <laughs> yeah, you missed the opportunity to to defend your rank in our. I know, our, man. Our Patreon video, we ran like three hours on that. That was awesome. Yeah, it um, would have been fun to be there, but like you as, know, life comes up. Yeah, I, I hear you. As as I'm looking at this the, at the keep trade keep trade cut values this week, I'm noticing a lot about um, picks starting to get inflated. But there's a lot of veterans that feel they're very underpriced compared to where, where they should be with the market. And I'm not saying that you have to do this, but per keep trade cut values, if I was in a league that just was dominated or run by these values, I'd be moving you know late first to like try to get multiple second round picks to go get myself some of these veterans that cost nothing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just it's they're scattered all over the board. You just see deflated values everywhere. And for my buy this week, I'm actually going with two players. They're both running backs. I don't really talk about buying running backs a lot in the offseason, but just based on where they're at on the board and if you were to equate that to startup values it's pretty nutty so the first one i have is uh, jonathan taylor he's 31 overall and keep trade cut which is the 307 in startups which is just obnoxiously low for me um in a down season he averaged over 15 points per game just uh, it just you're, you're buying like basically superstar upside yeah. <laughs> mid third round startup value so i think that that's that's definitely a player that i'd be looking to tear up well, with just you know available players that are below him, maybe I can throw in a late first and another running back, or a late first and a wide receiver three on my team, and see what happens. Not saying that's gonna happen; that's not going to work every time, but it might right. get the conversation started because you just never know where where their the, you know your league managers are sitting right right now in the offseason with their players, as well as Travis Etienne. If the startup was right now, he'd be going at the five hundred one because he's uh, player forty nine off the board on keep trade cut. 501 for a guy that averaged over 16 points per game. Widers are running back eight in ranks right now. Now I'm I'm on record of saying if he's like in the top five, top six, I'm looking to you know move him to switch to a safer position in wide receivers, just because that's what I do with running backs. But the players he's around in ranks is the reason why I bring him up. You know, T. Higgins, Trey McBride, Michael Pittman, JSN. Kyron Williams, Devon A. Chain, Rasheed Rice, Zay Flowers, Tank Dell, Addison. So you have a, a varied range in there of performers that have either overperformed or guys that have upside potentially. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it has to be a one-for-one swap or anything like that. But if he is that cheap, it might be worth exploring because, you know, you get closer to the season, teams need running backs. You might be able to get, you know, one and a half X value on the value you paid on them in the off season, or you just keep them and you have a player that probably scores around 16 plus a game. And I like that. Yeah. Especially for a guy like Addison, like Addison is the name that stands out to me the most there. Like I've seen people ranking Jordan Addison as a wide receiver one. And I just, I don't see it. Like the guy didn't earn a ton of value. He was a, he was long touchdown dependent when Justin Jefferson was healthy. It's really the only way he scored fantasy points. And he wasn't even like uber productive when he was out. Like, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I just don't think Jordan Addison should have the rank that he has in a lot of places. He was he was a, a sell candidate for me um, for this week, simply because of that and because of the other rankings that I've seen that have him as a wide receiver one. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy like 13 points per game. It's cool. He's wide receiver 30. Like, yes, he's young. He's also going to get out alpha by Justin Jefferson. 
DJ Hawkinson got hurt, had more targets than he did, if I'm not mistaken. Like, I, they can't stay a super high pass volume offense with inefficient quarterbacks again. So you need Kirk Cousins to come back and be healthy, which I do think he can, and I do think he will end up being the quarterback there. But like long term, if Justin Jefferson stays in Minnesota, TJ Hawkinson's already been extended. Can we hope for more than 110 targets here? I don't think we can. That's a really good question. I'm I'm I'm, I'm long story short. I'm going to go offer like half the Jordan Addison shares that I have for Travis Etienne after we are done recording. If that's what KTC is telling me I can get done with like a fourth on top of it. Bye, Jordan. I love you. Well, Jordan Addison's actually above Etienne. Now I'm trying to get a fourth added back. Now we're (laughs) booling. We're getting weird. You're going to find this year's Puka. But I I heard, or I shouldn't say I heard, I read today that the Vikings may be one of the teams to look to trade up for a quarterback. So that could be interesting, especially if they get a playmaking one that extends plays, because I think that actually helps both Jefferson and Addison because of how well they run routes, that they could really find the opportunity for big chunk plays. I really still do like Addison, but the idea more or less um, in just this entire conversation is to really identify the inequalities in in your league and Mm -hmm. the inefficiencies in your league when it comes to uh, wide receiver or other player ranks. Because, for example, like Tank Dell is wide receiver 18 and um, Addison is just in that same area as well. Same with Mm -hmm. Rice, where if someone else in your league values them even higher than that, or you're able to kind of flip for a player you value more, that's rank rank lower and go get yourself an extra pick or another player that gives you another shot at a position. I don't hate that at all. Now, I really do think his skill set is where the NFL is going to. But that doesn't mean he's going to have wide receiver one ceiling or if he's or if right. he's ever going to reach those those heights. So that's something we really have to kind of uh, like build into our evaluations when it comes to how we want to continue to build our rosters. Because one, once again, we can always go into the realm where like, oh, we're, we're banking on this upside or, oh, we really like how pretty our roster is, but it might not score enough points to win games. Right. And th- that's that's something that's really important to kind of pay attention to now. I still love Jordan Addison. This isn't this isn't a this or that. It's a it's about the, the price right now and the valuation. It's just too yeah. high. It, and it's and it's the price of ETN in comparison to him. Like ETN, especially with this upcoming running back class, should not be valued less than Jordan Addison. It just should not be the case. He's a workhorse running back with no competition on his team. And the only reason he quote unquote underperformed this year was because of how bad their offensive line was. And the guy still rushed for over a thousand yards, over 10 touchdowns, had over 50 receptions, had almost 500 receiving yards. Like this, do- this game doesn't have to be that hard guys. It just doesn't. Something else is that it gives you the opportunity for some pretty alpha weeks. Yeah. I understand like he's not the guy that's demanding every goal line carry or every goal line touch, but you know, he's got games where he scored over 25 points. And to me, that's, that, that's weak winning opportunity there. So I, I'm not saying that we can't see the same from Addison, but it's a lot easier to predict his volume versus Addison currently. And it's at a position that has a lot less likely, you know, characters each week to have any sort of week to pop off the same way that you kind of, I don't want to say expect, but you kind of are conditioned to understanding that it's more likely that it happens than it doesn't yeah. um, over a certain span of time. 
yeah. I just think that that price discrepancy is just there's there's too much to like about Travis Etienne as a what twenty five literally turned twenty five like ten days ago, twenty five year old running back who only has two years of NFL experience under his belt. Yeah, the age the age might scare people, but you got to think he lost his whole rookie year, so I'm not I'm not really holding that against him. Yeah. So, I, I it's weird because like I'm not really an ageist. And I'm not like, oh, sell before the cliff in a lot of scenarios just because some players are just built differently in terms of how they score. Like, you know, Derrick Henry, like we we do and we don't care about his age. We understand that the end is coming, but we're also very aware that it's going to be pretty nice until, yeah. it, until it actually hits. Yeah, him, healthy, Aaron Jones, Christian McCaffrey. Like, yes, we know that the running back age cliff exists, but he fits the profile of running backs who can kind of overcome the age cliff to an extent. He catches mm-hmm. passes. He hasn't had too much injury damage outside of obviously the lost rookie season. Like there, there's just so much that's good about Travis Etienne. I, I'm fully on board w- with, with buying him. All right. I think we beat Etienne in the ground. So let's, uh, let's jump over to your cell this week. Yeah, let's beat somebody else in the ground in a different way. This guy's overpriced. I don't care what anybody has to say about it. Again, rip me up in the comments if you have to. Why are we why are we ranking a guy who in his rookie year wasn't super productive and he's 24 years old as a rookie, finishes his rookie year as a 24-year-old, will be 25 next year. Why are we ranking Dalton Kincaid as a top 5 tight end? Why? Know. Why? <laughs> Just why? Guys that are around him that I prefer, Kyle Pitts should be above him. Guess what, guys? Yeah, Kyle Pitts has had a couple bad years in the NFL. Kyle Pitts is a full year younger than Dalton Kincaid, who came into the NFL and was not that good. Not as good as advertised anyway. Who else is right there? David Njoku, only 27. I lose three years of age. But I think the upside is probably a little bit better, if I'm being honest, for, for Njoku. If I'm a super competitive team, I can get Travis Kelsey and a sizable add on top of that. Cole Komet is at tight end 11, which is where I have Kincaid. Slightly older, about six months older. Had a more productive age 24 season in the NFL than Dalton Kincaid. Even if you want to tear up at tight end, you can trade Dalton Kincaid for Mark Andrews right now. They are nearly identical in value. And we know that Mark Andrews is essentially the number one receiver in his offense. Zay Flowers may continue to develop and may, may take over some more um, as, as we see that go on. But Mark Andrews, lock for, for 100-plus targets if he remains fully healthy, probably 120-plus targets. He, keep going up. Like Trey McBride, younger. TJ Hawkinson has the injury discount built in right now. Sam Laporta, who you could have drafted in the second round instead of drafting Kincaid in the first round, like most of us on JWB told you to. Smarter, not harder. Um, (laughs) He's now ranked as the tight end one as a 23-year-old. Again, full year younger. Like, Kincaid is... His value was... He's going to be the second best, like the number two receiver in this offense. And then it turns out when Dawson Knox is on the field, he's not really the number two receiver. Not saying that 
Dawson Knox is, but Buffalo's game plan has changed away from having the tight end as a position of importance. And realistically, what we have to keep in mind with all of this is tight end is very volume dependent. It's very touchdown dependent. That's really what you need for a tight end to work out. So let's take a look at those two things. Let's take a look at his volume. He had 90 targets. 11 of those came in one week. He had one really solid week earning targets. Never had more than eight targets in any other week of the season. That's a bit of a negative. Yes, he's got some target earning potential, but it's realistically not super, super productive. When you look at just in his team context of guys who earned targets as well on that team, Gabe Davis, who we know sucks at earning targets, 10 less targets. And catching them. I mean, a little bit of both. <laughs> Khalil Shakir, who didn't really even have much of a role until the second half of the year, had half of the targets that he had. So if you extrapolate out, yada, 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 whatever, those get back to the range that we want to see him in. So Khalil Shakir is arguably the wide receiver. He's truly the wide receiver, too, in that offense. But with Kincaid, I just don't see the appeal. It is 17% target share, which was 14th for tight ends. So not even a tight end one in terms of targets earned. Barely ran top 12 routes. He did run the most second most routes in the slot. He was eighth in targets for tight end. But his target share, which already wasn't that good, drops to 14.5% in the red zone. He didn't have a ton of red zone targets. He had the number one target accuracy in all of football. And just wasn't that good. I just don't see the logic in ranking somebody so, so highly, especially when you look at keep trade cut and see what you can turn a player like him into. And yes, I know we we always knock it, but keep trade cut is a resource that's used by a lot of people. But right now you can turn Dalton Kincaid into, if you're a running back needy team and have some depth at tight end, you can get Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker, by the way, was like the 102, 103 in his rookie class for some people. Versus Kincaid, who was basically like the 109. So even there, you're already getting value just from where you did pick, from where Kenneth Walker was drafted to where uh, Kenneth Walker was drafted. If you look at other pieces in the range, like if you want to turn him into wide receiver, you can turn him into DK. If you need a quarterback, you can turn him into Jared Goff. Um, Rashad White's behind him. Debo's behind him. Saquon's behind him. We already talked about Kyle Pitts being behind him. Bryce Young, if you still believe in the talent there, I'd rather take a shot on 22-year-old Bryce Young than I would on a 25-year-old Dalton Kincaid. I just don't I don't see the appeal to Dalton Kincaid. And maybe you can talk me into it, but like I already don't like drafting old players as a rookie. And then when they don't perform super well, I just don't see a path to like people were saying like he could be like Kelsey really not really not i don't see it talk me into him or or agree with me whatever you want to do i want to agree with you and i'm going to talk you into him because anytime you can trade a tight end that isn't like the dominant alpha on his squad even in the tight end room for kenneth walker i am doing it every time but i can't say i don't like dalton kincaid because he was my tight end one in the class laporta was number two just thought he was going to be able to be taken a little bit later. I was targeting him like mid to late third every single draft until he got drafted. I was like, no, don't do it to me. It hurts my feelings. But 
I agree with you, like in terms of what you need for points. And I, I this offense could look way different next year because I think this is kind of reactionary to Diggs might be gone. Like if whatever happens in this offseason, because Diggs hasn't played well for seven games or something like that. I like I can understand that rhetoric, but like mm. you're reacting to something that might happen at some point. But it's not going to matter if he doesn't earn more targets because as we know, targets are king for, for almost every position and especially the tight end. But I think it's possible he is able to sustain. I'm not really worried about his age because we, you know, we see this a lot with tight ends and we kind of want, we want them to get seasoning. We want them to get in the weight room, all this stuff, build their body up, which would be easier if he were younger, but I don't think that he's like dead in the water. But I will ask you a couple questions. Yeah, I, and I just want to say, I'm not saying he's mm-hmm. dead in the water. I'm just saying, even if if he sustains his current production, it's tied in 14 in points per game. Mm-hmm. We're ranking him as tied in five. That's all I'm saying. No, I That's hear you. Saying. But I was going to ask you, where where on average do you think like he got drafted in rookie drafts? Like 110? He was like, I think he was like most people's smash at like 1-9. So in most most leagues, are you trading the 109 for Mark Andrews? Because I am. Every time. Every so time. I'm I there that's enough of an argument for my my own sake is that I'm just gonna target Andrews. Yeah. <laughs> and if we're time. okay with tight ends being a little bit older, Mark Andrews is older. Yeah. And I want to say this too with, with just the tight end discussion in general when paying up. The trap is, oh, look, this guy's a generational talent. This guy's going to change the position. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. But the thing is, and th- I, I was very much not drafting Pitts, not because he wasn't good, but because it's so hard to predict what tight end usage is like when it when exactly you go from college to the NFL. The same thing's going to happen with Bowers. Bowers could be a great tight end, yeah. but the amount of um, – production you can go buy with the pick that it's going to take to go get Bowers is like astronomical because let's say he comes in and he averages 10 a game, 11 a game, right? How much is that actually impacting your lineup in a positive way? What would he actually have to score? Like 14, 15 a game really like to be that dominant game changer instead of going trading that pick to a tight end needy team and going and getting yourself a receiver that, you know, scores what in the wide receiver 15, 16 mark. So I looked up. So I I think for most people, Bowers is probably going to be the 106 off the board. So I'm looking up the current wide receiver that has the exact same value at the 106 to tell you how many fantasy points per game he scored last year. And it was 15.6. I'm taking the 15.6 every time. Yep. So to me, it's just there's no value in paying those premium picks for tight ends because I want to go get an actual premium player and then. I'll go and draft all the Laporta. And I know this is revisionist history, but I'm just saying like, I'll go pay that second round pick. Jadavian Sanders this year. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's the target. I'll take, for the, second, I'll take the second round pick on him so, versus the first round pick. I'll take Brandon Ayuk and Sanders over just Kincaid. Yeah. Or that's, in, that's, Kincaid that's slash Bowers. And it's the same thing. We're doing the same thing. I love Brock Bowers. I think Brock Bowers truly is one of the most talented tight ends that we've seen come out of the draft in a really long time. From from a pure football spence, he's he's an infinitely better blocker than Kyle Pitts ever was. And he's every bit of the receiver that he is too. But like you said, it the usage is it's so usage dependent. 
if he gets drafted by a team that just gets enamored with the talent but doesn't know how to effectively use a tight end like him, he's going to struggle. Like Travis Kelsey, phenomenal tight end. If he was on Washington, probably dead in the water. Like, let's just be like, you can only do so much as a tight end to be a true game changer. And that's why there's so few of them. So when you find one, I it's it's better, in my opinion, to pay up after the fact than pay premium prices and hope that something happens, which is ultimately my whole argument with Kincaid. I know that Mark Andrews can be a game changer at tight end for my lineup immediately. Immediately. And I actually made this argument in season when I talked about uh, Laporta. I said Laporta might be represented as the tight end two, three, one at this point, but value wise, he wasn't there. Like he wasn't demanding the value. Exactly. That's why we said to cost. Yeah. That's why we said to buy him when we did. So there was also like, it was questionable about like his production and how he was producing because he was getting some breakaway plays on the outside, which not saying it can't be repeatable just early on. So I think there was a little hesitation. And if you would have taken advantage of that hesitation or that inability to properly value him at that point, you know, you're probably paying this year's 109 for him and you're way happier than yeah. paying the 109 for uh for Kincaid the year that you did it. So just kind of you know conversation. And I, I don't hate tight ends at all. I'm just saying in general it's very hard for them to live up to the value if you're if you are paying a rookie pick for them yeah. in a rookie draft. And it's it's one of those things where when the production isn't matching the cost or the value and the value's higher, just take advantage of that discrepancy there. Because the 9.6 9.4 whatever it was points per game that Kincaid put up last year I could get that with Cole Komet. I could get that with Jake Ferguson. I could get that with Dallas Goddard. I could get that with Evan Ingram. Ingram would have been better. <laughs> like I can, I can replace all of that production and take advantage of the value difference that I'm going to get, which is going to be a second round pick, which if I'm now, now a competitive team and I was able to say last year, for example, that I traded Evan Ingram and a second, I traded for Evan Ingram and a second. I sent Kincaid. I had a better player last year, a be- probably a better player this year and next year. And I get a second round pick that I can either pick a rookie with, or I can use that immediately to go get a DeAndre Hopkins. Like we talked about to get a Derrick Henry, to get an Aaron Jones, to get a Rashad white. Like there's so many pieces that I can get. It just, I, it adds so much more flexibility to my team and it minimizes a lot of that risk because now I have two 50, 50 chances of a player working out versus one. I think the if you have something else you want to add after this, go ahead. But I think the last thing I want to say on this as well is um, I think one of the best benefits to playing in multiple leagues in fantasy football is one, your experience is better. But also, you could, if you have Kincaid in the league, you can sell him in that league. And then where people go, oh, just buy him back later. Most likely the person that you sold them to him to you're they're less likely to be like oh well, let me just let me just realize back. this loss and yeah. turn it back to you but if you you're go, in multiple leagues you go you buy him go somewhere else realize the value here wait if, if it works out the way that we're thinking wait six months or seven months or however many months you need to wait where there's enough production enough production or lack thereof on the board and go and buy them there yeah so it improves your experience you don't ever have to reach to be like this is my guy you just you know, go to a different league and acquire them at a different price. 
Yeah. So I think that's a benefit as well, just to being in different leagues. And then you get to see different markets. Yeah. I'm. Don't get me wrong. I love having my guys. I looked back at our spreadsheet um, that JWB has. I was four for six. And that's only because my tight end was already taken and I had to pick Hayden Hurst, but that's a different story. Yeah. Your tight end, Jake Ferguson, I'm sorry, taken. Fine. But <laughs> when I say my guy, somebody's my guy, they're my guy at cost. I'm never reaching for my guys. So even when, when it, I love Justin Fields, if I woke up tomorrow and Justin Fields was ranked as the quarterback two on keep trade cut, selling every Justin Fields share that I own, every single but, one of them. Fortunately for you, he's QB 15 on keep trade cuts. You can buy all the Justin Fields you want. Yeah, I can. And I have been. <laughs> I have a lot of right. Justin Fields. With that being said, I'm moving into myself for the week. And this is, uh, I'm going with Debo Samuel this week. He's uh, wide receiver 24 on keep trade cut. 28-year-old wide receiver. Last year, two of his games produced 29% of his points. You eliminate those games. And his point per game average is wide receiver 35. I think you can get out right before the perceived value drop in the age cliff. I think you can move into either a younger wide receiver or um, a wide receiver that kind of matches the same production, but um, he's less dependent on like certain big plays to get his points. And I, I believe because of Purdy's contract they're going to keep the group together mm -hmm. so they might just start to age together which you know i don't really know if that is good or bad for point production in this in the future but christian mccaffrey and george kittle kind of age out at the same time and then you know debo follows suit this offense might not be in the red zone as much to put up big points or the other weapons on the on the offense may not be as good at you know taking away coverage so he can bust across the middle or beat his guy short and then, you know, take it long. Yeah. So I think there's or, a lot of opportunity for or him Brock party regresses. Like yeah, there's, that's true. There's a lot of reasonable outcomes there. Yeah. We're, we're just, there's opportunity for him to take a step back. And in those two games, he put up 69 points. So the, the upside isn't, isn't dead. So I think you could actually sell on that upside to say, Hey, look, you need a difference maker in your lineup. This guy will win you a couple of weeks, but I think it's more, you know, an aberration than it is something that you're going to be able to predict in the future. Because I think that I, th I just I believe that the better days of younger Debo Samuel might be, you know, behind him, and he might still be a very solid wide receiver too. But I'm I'm packaging him to move up. You know, I I don't think there's there's a reason why I wouldn't be able to do that because even if he's considered you know the wide receiver 24 or 21 in a group, I can add something else and jump a tier or two and yeah. I'll feel a lot better about my future outlook on my team. Yeah. Debo's a guy that I do really like, but again, like I have him smack dab in the middle of like a 14 wide receiver tier. So like, there's so many moves to make where I feel like I'm getting the same player or like an equivalent player, but I'm getting value added on top of it. Like I think for a lot of people right now that are trying to make their teams younger, I don't think Devonte Adams for Debo straight up is out of the question. So if somebody's trying to make their team younger, they're effectively making their team younger by making that trade. They're getting like three years back, essentially. I'm not trying to have Devonta Adams. So would I. I think most people would. Like, <laughs> I have Debo at 26. So like, I don't have him far off of that ranking on Keep Trade Cut. I'm actually a little bit ahead of market. But even then, like, again, it doesn't matter how much I love a guy. I'll sell him if the price is right. And I think the price can be very, very right for a guy like Debo. Like 
if we're just looking at Debo's pure value on a trade calculator here, like right now, if I wanted the 106, if I uh, we just talked about it, Brock Bowers. If I want Brock Bowers and I want the 106, I can trade Debo and Marvin Mims for it. Okay. Sign me up. I'm in. If I can move Debo and and say that I'm in a league where I know a guy loves Brock Bowers, you're telling me I'm getting Malik Neighbors or Jaden Daniels at the 1-6? I'm even more in at that point. Well, tell me one thing as well. Debo Samuel is uh, ranked 60 on Keep Trade Cut. Saquon Barkley's ranked 62. Give me Saquon. Saquon Barkley's 27. Debo is 28. You know, their runways may be the same in terms of what's left. But once again, I'm getting premium production. Yeah. A more scarce position. And the thing with Saquon too, like Saquon's down production is still better than Debo's. Like you said with Debo, he basically had a four-week stretch where he never finished worse than wide receiver 11 and had one other wide receiver, sorry, two other wide receiver one finishes on the entire year. Not to mention, he missed three or two games to injury. Uh, he had one game where he only played 15% of the snaps. So like, yeah, there are some things like that that are, are bringing down his overall um, production. Um, he also got hurt again and missed a good chunk of the, the playoff game against Green Bay. Like, this is a guy, the injuries are really starting to, to rack up. And I love Debo. I love what he can do. I think he's underrated as a route runner and as a target earner by a lot of people. But guys, we're never going to get 2021 Debo again. We're never getting wide receiver three Debo again. It's just not going to happen. So if I can get a guy that I think can have that upside, or if I want to get younger, I can flip, I can flip Debo right now for Jane Reed. Okay. I love it. I'm I love in. It. Now I'm just getting mini Debo then. <laughs> you are. I'm just getting <laughs> mini Debo. Really are. That's awesome. But before we head out, I want give give uh, our audience one piece of advice because I have one piece I want to bring up as well. Yeah. I if there's one piece of advice that I can give you, especially as dynasty managers who are newer to the game. We don't hate players. We hate the cost. We never, oh, I hate players. I, I do too. I hate, everybody. but what it means is I hate Jameson. We know I don't like Jameson Williams. We know I don't think he's a good football player. If people start ranking Jameson Williams, the wide receiver 85. I'm going to go rosters from Jameson Williams. The, pr the price is what matters when it comes to these guys. Like somebody commented on our, our last video um, where I said to sell Jordan Love and the, uh, the argument was like, he's going to keep proving everybody wrong. Cool. He very well could. I think Jordan Love is a, is a solid quarterback. I have him in a tier ranking of really solid quarterbacks right around a bunch of really solid guys. But the market is valuing him way, way higher than that. I watch him go at 109 in a startup. If you tell me I can have the 109 startup pick or Jordan Love, I'm taking the 109 startup pick every single time because that is a more valuable piece to me than Jordan Love will ever be. I love We love values. We don't fall in love with players. And if you want to draft Jordan Love at 109, trade down. Do the yeah. same thing. Pick him at 204 if you want to, if it makes you feel better, and get yourself another fifth or sixth round pick on top of it. Yep. Do it. Actually, 204 might be your own pick. What but, a, trade back. Yeah, trade back. My piece of advice, 
Don't buy players playing in the Super Bowl unless you're paying a really cheap price. Just wait. Just, yeah. just wait. Wait seven days. Just wait seven days. It's fine. Just wait until they're not hurt. Wait until we know they're not hurt. Yeah, just wait. I love it. On that, I think we're, we're going to head out. But before we do, make sure you like, subscribe, join the Discord, play on Underdog um, with our, our code JWB. But that's all we got this week. We're going to head out. Later. Later.